With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. I'm Cody, and shortly Randy and Neil are going to be here to talk about the Camargo Club, located outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. The Camargo Club is a 1927 Seth Rayner design that features quite arguably the best collection of par threes anywhere in the world. It also includes what you would expect from any other Rayner designs, templates such as Redan, Eden, Short, and Biarritz. The Camargo Club is one of Seth Rayner's last designs that he did before he passed away at the young age of 44. Construction on the club actually didn't end until a year following his death. The golf courses relatively stayed the same since 1927, with minor changes happening to the golf course in the 80s, such as changing bunker shapes and the faces of the majority of them throughout the golf course. By the turn of the millennium, Tom Doak and the Renaissance Golf Team was brought in by the club to return the bunkers and bunker faces to their original Rainer design. The golf club itself is the best golf course in the state of Ohio. Routinely receiving rankings in the top 50 not only in the United States or North America, but also on the majority of world ranking lists. As always, the Crash Course Podcast and Crash Course Video Series is presented by Cooper Tires. And since Randy's coming on the podcast today to talk about Carmago with Neil, I want to talk a little bit about Big Randy's game. You know those little bump shots that he hits from just off the green? That hybrid might seem like an obvious idea now. Who wouldn't want the best part of a long iron and fairway wood mixed together? But before the first hybrid clubs went on the market 20 years ago, someone had to invent that. And that's what Cooper has done with its new Discover Rugged Trek truck tire. Combining the improved grip and aggressive look of an off-road tire with a smooth, quiet ride of a road tire, the Rugged Trek is a hybrid that gives you the best of both worlds. It's an invention so good that in another 20 years, it'll seem just as obvious. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by Treadwear Mileage Warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca. And remember, go with the Coopers. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined today by the merch star, Neil Schuster. Neil, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, big guy. It's good to be here with you. In person, sitting across the table, we're going to chop it up about some Cincy golf. The the, the strap boys <laughs> are going to get deep on some ultimate uh, C-suite Cincinnati country clubs. Uh, and the first one today is... Well, if, if the strap boys can get a hookup anywhere, it's got to be in... The big guy's hometown. Exactly. And, you know, the franchise. My dad, he's a Cincy guy. He's a St. X bomber. So I'm kind of a bastard bomber, I guess. You, you know, once somebody in your family is a bomber, I think everybody's a bomber. 
I've got some solid knowledge of Cincy visiting grandparents at least a, every you know every year, twice a year. You know, I think that's a. Uh, I think my bona fides in Cincy are pretty solid. A lot of people would call their town or city parochial. I would put Cincinnati up there with any of them uh, in terms of the most parochial. Where'd you go to high school? Exactly. First question. First question you're going to get. Where'd you go to high school, Randy? So it's funny. Your dad went to high school in Cincinnati. My dad and mother moved to Cincinnati after college, so they did not attend high school in Cincinnati. Now, as a second-generation Cincinnati and myself, I can now answer that question. I went to Marymount High School, uh, a, a public school, so I... I did not get in the you know the the big Catholic private school scene, but of course Don't bury I know. the lead though. You did grow up at a country club. I did, I did. That's another podcast though. We are here today to talk about the Camargo Club. I think most people listening uh, maybe would have heard of it. It's it's ranked consistently number fifty two in the world rankings. I was going to say as one of the best courses, not only in the country but in the world. Yeah, and one of the more interesting names which I think we'll get to. Found a couple of good sources for this pod. Uh, usually like to start with some history. So, Randy, what do you know, being from Cincy? Well, let's start. Let's dive in. Um, I think, first of all, we need to talk about where is... Good point. Let's let's locate the audience. Of course, it's in Cincinnati. More specifically, it's in the posh Tony suburb of Indian Hill, uh, which I have many thoughts about. Indian Hill was our main rival uh, at Marymount High School. They were the Indian Hill Braves, and we didn't like them, period, point blank. Um, there used to be a saying, I think it's uh, been lost to our more sensible uh, political times, but it used to be the, the rallying cry was, kill the hill, <laughs> which doesn't stand up in, in today's climate. And the hill is what, northeast of town? That is correct. More east. Okay. More east, a little north. And so, and the split with Cincy is what? East side is is posh and Tony, and west side's what? Well, I don't want to say it like that, but there is a stereotypical difference. I, I think the east side has more of a white collar, blue blood, blue blood reputation. Um, and really, the dividing line, for all intents and purposes, is you, you can kind of think about it. I seventy five. Uh, and then the west side, I think it's more of a blue collar reputation. So that I seventy corridor is is firmly in the blue the uh, the blue blood part of town. The the I seventy one corridor. Seventy one, excuse me. Yeah, up the, the northeast side. That's that's running uh, up through Hyde Park, Oakley, Kenwood. Uh, you know, close to Madeira. Uh, that's that's the heart of the east side of of Cincinnati. Where does <clears throat> Where does the FT fall into all this? Finneytown. Well, so Finneytown's interesting. It is. It's kind of in that middle area. Funky uh, town. Yeah, I, I think technically it's it's on the east side, but it's close enough to that, you know, that invisible. That's the borderline line where you get you get west of Finneytown, and you're, you know, you can consider yourself creeping into the west side. The heart of the west side, though, is over like Delhi, Western Hills. Um, you know, that's that's really the core, and that's more I-74, that I-74 corridor. Shout out to your brother-in-law. Exactly. Where's I, Goodbar from? He's from Harrison, which is the furthest edge, uh, you know, almost bordering Indiana. But but he's a St. X guy. He yes. came all the way to St. X High School. Which is kind of, it's in Finneytown, right? I think so. Can I admit something? What? I have never been on the campus of St. Xavier High School. Really? Yeah. If, if you dropped me in Cincinnati today... 
I'm 37 years old. I could not drive to St. Xavier High School. Wow. Yeah. I know where Moeller is. I've passed Moeller thousands and thousands of times. It's in Kenwood. I've never been to the campus of Elder. That's kind of like the, the snake pit. The, uh, just the pit. The pit. Yeah. The, the, they're the Panthers. Yeah. And then um, LaSalle is the other big one. That's Elder and LaSalle are more west side. St. X and Moeller are east side. God, I played football with some some St. X boys in college. Shout out to, to Ross and Evan E. Mills. Uh, <laughs> God, if I hear that fight song, from east to the west, we are the dude, dude, dude. It's uh, they're easy, the bombers are easy to make fun of, so you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta take a couple of low blows on them when you can. I mean, good for them. I think all those, you know, they, they have a lot of pride in their high school, of course, and they should. So, funny enough, I said I went to Marymount High School, and actually, where I grew up in a little subdivision right outside of the, the village proper of Marymount, I, I grew up, I would say, no more than five miles, probably less. Two, three miles as the crow flies from the Camargo Club. Drove by it countless times uh, growing up. Never knew its significance in the golf world. Architecturally, would never have guessed it was a top 50 course in the world. And honestly, never thought I'd play it. <laughs> never thought I'd play it either. Um, so with that note, it, 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 extremely private. Extremely private. Extremely posh. Is the, is the the important to them? Uh, the Ohio State, the uh, Camargo Club? Not on a level with Ohio State, no. I, I think it's more just Camargo. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say this for them. They, the, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a family money, understated exclusivity and niceness. Like you're, it, There's nothing new money or flashy about the sure. Camargo Club. Which I think is to their Which credit. Is, yeah, definitely. That's that's more of the vibe I like. And and I I played last summer. Um, I felt it, it was an understated entrance. Uh, everything about it was was kind of understated. Yeah. Um, so let's let's jump into the history a little bit. I actually found an awesome source. Um, I think that it was like a Prezi presentation. Google's wild, man. You know, you search like the Camargo Club history, and I got like this awesome presentation that popped up by Haley Vincent uh, from 2018. So the club was formed in 1925. <clears throat> uh, the Camargo Club was initially developed to provide an alternate golfing facility along with a fox hunting ground and polo complex uh, for the landlocked Cincinnati Country Club. <laughs> so Randy, what's, what's, tell me about the Cincinnati Country Club. So let me just first of all say, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course you need some fox hunting and polo grounds. Uh, so the Cincinnati Country Club, I have intimate experience there. It is... A real blue blood um, located in the heart of East Hyde Park. Um, or actually more almost like Walnut Hills, East Walnut Hills, right in O'Brienville in Cincinnati. And I worked there for a couple of years in the bag room in college. Did you really? Yeah. Um, good tips over there? Some people. Some people not so good tips. You know, like any club, you, you quickly learn who, who you like to see walking sure. towards you and, and who you, you know, oh, yeah, no, I'm busy cleaning clubs. I can't grab that bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, awesome experience. I loved those summers working there at Cincinnati Country Club. I will say I, I still cannot believe they allowed us lonely bag people. We got full playing privileges on days we weren't working. So it wasn't even limited to Mondays. We could go out there on a Friday afternoon if we weren't working. And but play would, golf. would like landlocked be a good description of the course and the facility? Of course, it's yeah. it's squeezed in amongst. It's all residential around there. There's no room to expand. It, it's really enough land for like 15 good holes, but they put 18 in there. 
So I can understand why the the Camargo members were were looking to spread their wings and like I said, honestly, you know, go fox hunting and, and play some polo as well. Perfect place to do it up in Indian Hill. Sounds like we're also burying the lead. I mean, it's a Seth Rayner course. Seth Rayner, who, you know, I, I think I don't know anybody that doesn't like Seth Rayner. I, I think you know he's obviously known for the templates. It's it's a lot of template holes that are carried over from the British Isles. Um, he and CB McDonald, and yeah, the Camargo is one of I think his most important lasting uh, designs here in the United States. Well, so a couple more things from Haley Vincent's Prezi. Rainer designed the course, but he never got back to see its completion. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like he was, it wasn't like a Donald Ross, like, hey, you know, show up and you guys should do this, this, and this, and I'm out of here. It was like he, you know, late, like surveyed it, laid it out, but just didn't, you I know. I think he passed away. Yeah, he didn't get back to it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a couple, a trivia question for you, Randy. Why is Camargo laid out to be played clockwise? Hmm. That's a... First of all, I didn't know it was laid out like that. Second of all, I have no idea. Rainer disliked counterclockwise layouts. He lost a second amateur. This is from Haley Vincent's Prezi. I'm guessing that's U.S. amateur on a counterclockwise course by pumping multiple balls OB <laughs> on the right side. Uh, pumping is my word. Uh, and what does this tell us? It tells us uh, he had the big right miss. Thank you. How about that? <laughs> Rainer had a big right miss. That's awesome. I never knew that. Rainer so, and the kid. Two peas in a pod. Late in his life, he was like, you know, F this. We're going clockwise, man. I need the ball. I need to be able to miss on the right side of the golf course. And that, and the more I think about it, going back to playing it last summer, like, yeah, like a lot of the dog legs, you know, number two, big dog leg right. Number, I want to say like uh, 13 around the, this tree, big dog leg right. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then I think, you know, Camargo is such a unique name. And that's one other thing I want to bring up from, from this presentation I looked at. The Camargo name, there's three theories on where the name come from. Okay. The first, some suggest that the Camargo name was derived from Marie-Anne de Coupes de Camargo. Marie was an 18th century French ballerina who was famous for being the first to lead about athletically in heelless shoes and to wear a short skirt that didn't touch the floor. And she looks like she was uh, some kind of mistress that was uh, in Cincinnati area. That's theory one. I for, Let me just say, that's going to be tough to beat in my yeah. power rankings. Theory two. Another theory is that the club was named after Julius Fleshman's yacht. Fleshman's magnificent <laughs> yacht was 225 feet long, displaced 968 tons, drew 12 feet, and was powered by two mammoth Bessemer diesels. Nice boat, sir. Son, that's a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was on the Ohio River. Yeah, probably. Uh, where and, else, yeah, where else are you going to take it? And theory three, the most plausible theory, is that the realty company and club drew their names from Camargo Pike, which had been named for the place to which it originally led, the Claremont County town of Camargo. Hmm. I can report I know of no current town over in Claremont named Camargo. So if if that is, it's gone by the wayside, but that's interesting. And I would say that Camargo, one of the things it has going for it is – the uniqueness of the name, it sticks out to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you always, you hear it and you're like, I wonder what that place is like. You know, it, it kind of has that, uh, it grabs my attention, I sure. guess. I wanted to, I got, I got three other things for you while we're on. Uh, Hit me. And then we can dive into the course. One, it doesn't receive a lot of play. And I think that speaks to the exclusivity. Uh, it gets, I read somewhere around, they estimate 12, 13,000 rounds a year. 
which for a course that's one of the best 50 or so in the world, uh, that's a small number. Two, it has, for as long as I can remember, it's been a qualifying site for the USAM. And so that was always, that, that, was, that was the ace in my, ace up my sleeve. Forever growing up was like, if I, if I, if I can't ever get on Camargo, I'm just going to have to fudge my handicap, sign up for the local qualifying, and you get a practice round and the competition, and then I'm sure they'd, they'd boot me from USGA competitions forever after The nuclear that. option. Exactly. And then third, a little local lore. I don't know if it's true or not, but the rumor I always heard was Carl Lindner, who was famous for, uh, if Cincinnati folks will for sure know, the, the UDF, uh, United Dairy Farmers, uh, among other things, billionaire, one of the leading families in, in the city of Cincinnati, former owner of the Reds. Uh, legend had it, he wanted to get into Camargo Club, and they wouldn't let him. And so now, as uh, anybody that drives to the club, you'll see a, a gated driveway and a huge expanse of land. Well, Carl bought all the land right by the Camargo Club. Uh, and I think as a way to like, hey, if you guys ever need to expand or if you ever need to, you know, develop more land, I'm going to make it a real pain for you guys. So what I always heard was because Lindner couldn't get into the Camargo Club, he bought up as much land uh, right next to it. Hell yeah. And that's where nothing he lives. like Nothing like some petty billionaires, <laughs> baby. But that speaks to the exclusivity uh, that, you know, this guy who was kind of new money in the 20th century. Sorry, bud. Sorry. Sorry, you know maybe you get on the wait list like yeah. some other folks, but uh, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not really looking for new members. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's get into. I think we kind of touched upon this. Who can play there? Uh, extremely limited to members <laughs> and their guests uh, and U.S. Open qualifiers. Yeah. One thing I would say on that point, and and this is more of a discussion question for you. It has the uh, the no tea time vibe, where when I came, right. it was. Uh, kind of like just we rolled up to the first tee we had our foursome and 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 i'm curious what you think of it like i kind of found it stressful it is where it's like a little bit hey who's going yeah hey you know uh it just feels like it's almost like promoted as like oh god it's just so it's so chill around here like there's what's the cliche you know place you can always find a game yeah but it's also like well wait a second like you know it just it kind of just leads to like maybe people passive aggression i don't know it was just like wait you know i got it you take it a little bit i think i would be for i think my ideal mix would be a hybrid where monday through friday maybe friday afternoon you need tea times but monday through friday no tea times and then like saturday morning at least sunday morning yeah i think a little bit more structure so i know what time what time i'm going off yeah i mean i get i get when it doesn't get a ton of play like it probably isn't an issue but just for me i was like you know, I'm already on eggshells. Like, I don't want right. to. You don't want to put. I don't want to break anything. A, a bad step forward or anything. Yeah. So, uh, but the course, par seventy, uh, I believe around sixty-seven hundred yards. Is that? Yeah, it's not a long course. Yeah. That's all these country clubs. Uh, there are a couple exceptions, but um, yeah, most of them they're, they're not that long. Yeah, and I want to shout out uh, an old friend of the boys, Mike Mascara, former assistant superintendent at Sweetens Cove, now working at uh, Camargo. Um, so hopefully uh, he's enjoying Cincinnati, but, you know, awesome. He he helped us out with the birdhouse too. Like can't speak more highly of Mike. Um, so I'm happy to see him land up there at, you know, such a well-renowned place and hopefully he's doing well. 
Uh, but I think that speaks to like the, the I played it on the day uh, they had just aerated the greens. Um, so that that clouds my. For the folks listening, you and I have both played it once. One time. So we're not. Perfect, beautiful bluebird day in September of last year. Uh, but they had punched the greens, I think, a day or two before that. So I got a real sense of, like, the course. Nobody else was out there, which was great. So, you know, very, very laid back round. But it almost felt like going to a water park and, you know, some of the slides were closed. Right? <laughs> like, because so, some of the features, I think that really stuck out to me is – you know, it's it's kind of it's some big, bold, brash Rainer stuff. That's uh, that you know we can get into a little bit, but uh, well, I, I just kept look, thinking like, oh my god, like I would be totally boned in this spot, but because they punched the greens, I'm I'm you know I'm not. So that's a good segue. Let's get into the course a little bit. Uh, I, I think you know I, I don't know where you want to start, uh, but I'll I'll just say this: I played um, September. I think it was September, fall of 2019, and it was in the remnants of a hurricane that had come up through the Gulf, and you know the the tail end was over uh, some outer bands, some outer bands over the Midwest. So uh, it was very wet when we teed off. It you know just a very light drizzle. Most of the round was fine, and then like the last four or five holes, we just downpour. Uh, one of the more wet experiences I've I've had on the golf course. But credit to the the guys I was playing with, they're great sports. We all we all walked. Uh, it's a walking course, and so that's where I want to start. Um, I, I think most people walk it and hilly, and it is hilly. I found it to be a pretty hard walk, which yeah. I you know I didn't expect. I I, I think uh, you know some of the and and that plays into the architecture too. You know, like that second hole, you're hitting over a ravine on the tee shot. Um, there's just a lot of up and downs throughout the front nine specifically. It's very rolling land. Um, I always felt you, you just feel removed from the world. Uh, it's not tree line or it's not, uh, lined with houses. It's, it's just purely kind of out in the wilderness and it's a, it's a lovely walk. I think we can get into some individual holes, but you mentioned the greens. I just want to say that's that's the other thing that that struck me about Camargo. The greens are massive. Yeah, and um, I think they make for you, you almost get a false sense of like, hey, I'm hitting the ball well. I'm hitting all these greens, but it's like, <laughs> well, they're huge. Yeah, and and it's going to leave you with some very long putts. And that's the the times we played it when the greens are a little slower. You don't get penalized for leaving your ball in some bad places as much. Yeah, and so we we. Again, I keep saying we can go into it, but I, I found it a little easier than it should have been just because the greens were slow. That, yes. That's the main, the main defense. The main defense. Yeah. I would also – the one theme that stuck out to me, I was just um, – I was blown away by the, the scale of the par threes. So all I think at least three of the four had these just crazy – either crazy um, fall-offs, right? Like so the one on the front nine – they, and the number 11, it's just like, it's like a volcano, you know, like on all sides, like, man, if you miss that green, you are like, you're, you're literally 20 feet down so I in wanna, a bunker. I want to jump in the, the architecture nerds will point out that the volcano is a template, but it's not a volcano hole. Uh, is that the short then number 11? It is the short. Yeah. But it's, it's severe green and it, and it does fall Good off. Good point. I was using that as a description, not, <laughs> exactly. not as a template. Exactly. But thank you for that. Uh, but I think that's, you know, people much smarter and, and well-versed in architecture than myself. You know, these 
the four par threes are among the best collection of par threes of any course in the world. Yeah. Uh, and and template wise, you have um, the aforementioned short. You have an Eden. You have a Beeritz, and then you have a Redan. And they are they are spectacular. The uh, I was gonna you know when we get into the favorite holes, I, I guess we go there now. I mean, for me, it was fifteen. Um, the Redan, great minds, bud. That's what I put right? down. And and so I, okay, I've played a few Rainers, um, not a lot of them, uh, but for me, it's top. It, it'd be very hard to find a more one that is more not not what's the word not overwhelming, but um, like the scale of it's like whoa. Uh, yeah. I think it's Country Club of Charleston, number 11, has a reverse Redan, so I guess that's a different category. But that one's just, like, unbelievable. Uh, and then Piping Rock has number three is, like, whoa. Like, maybe <laughs> maybe has Camargo beat, but then Camargo number 15 is, like, it's outrageous, like, period. And I missed it long right, and thank God the greens were slow. Slow, because, yeah. I mean, I was I was screwed. That would have been chip up, and then I'd be in the front bunker. I mean, it's a double bogey, automatic double bogey if you miss the green, basically. So uh, that whole kind of tickled me. It was cool, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, great, it's, it's a great example of the Redan. Um, I, I, it, it's about 190 yards from the back tees. Um, so depending, you know, if you're one up, it's maybe 170 to 190. So you're hitting a, you're hitting a decent iron into it. Um, for anybody that doesn't know the Redan, it's, it's, you can imagine um, – Kind of a green that's that's more elongated from right to left, and that right side is is canted up to where, you know, when they put the pin on that left side, the only way to get close to that pin is to land it up on the the slope on the right side and just let the ball release uh, down to the hole. But if you don't get it there, there's a massive false front. Correct. So you're ro- you're rolling off the front of the green. And if you go long, which is honestly the more you think about it, like that is kind of the miss. Right. It's like ah, just don't get it there, and then you can basically play that same idea with a chip shot. And I've always been curious. I, I'm trying to think back. I, I don't have a strong enough mental picture, but what if you miss left there and you're chipping almost back into the slope? I, I remember it being... I don't think anybody does miss yeah. left because everybody wants to play the kicker. Yeah, but uh, it's also like it's it's almost like very... It's a small landing area over there. Like right. you're either going to get caught in that front bunker or it almost felt like there was a ravine over there or it like dropped... You know, it wasn't... Yeah, you don't really want to be comfy. over there, right? Right. Um, like that just that that wasn't in your mind. Like you'd have to miss it like thirty yards because you're aiming <laughs> right. at the kicker, which right. you know is probably like thirty yards away from the left side of the green. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's you know we're on the same page there. I, I think the the par threes almost overshadow. Like there are certain features that stand out on the rest of the course. But but from tee to green, I don't really remember that many holes necessarily. I have two other holes that stuck out to me. I think it was 13, dogleg right, par four, with one like tree on the corner. And then... A crazy big green? Yes. Yeah. And, and like trouble all down the they're right. All, they're all big, um, but... But kind of this dogleg like with this, tr- this, this lone tree kind of framing, and then like heather grass on the right and... I don't know. It just looked really, really good. It was like it kind of almost felt like it was I, in the middle of the polo the cape. Feed. I think. Yeah, I think it was. I think that's the cape. Uh, I like that one. And then sixteen had those mounds in front of the green, yeah. like guarding, you know, 
like a blind. It was like a blind shot into the green, and it wasn't the punch bowl. Um, wasn't the Alps punch bowl? That's a, that's a that's that, a f- that's earlier. Yeah, but it was. I, I thought that hole just looked really, yeah, like really pretty. There's a short. There's a short par four on the front. Um, that's like maybe 300 yards, kind of a, a slender fairway. Um, with it's kind of uphill with a drop off on the right. Uh, I don't know what that template is. Whether that's a but the, there are there are aspects um, of holes I remember, but the, the par threes are like yeah, you can kind of almost picture every par three yeah. after you play it. The, those, they stick with you for sure. So you. like that's it's and it's always kind of nice when the consensus on a place like it lives up to the consensus, right? Like you yeah. probably heard like all oh, the par threes at Camargo are awesome. Well, guess what? I feel, <laughs> I felt the same way. There's a reason. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason they have that reputation. Uh, what'd you shoot, Randy? I shot, believe it or not, I shot a very smooth 77. Bud, I shot a 74. Really? It was yeah. One of my best rounds of the year last year. And I and I it's an asterisk for sure because it's like you your boy hit the green a lot and the putt I could just like hammer putts. Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think uh one it's it's a very comfortable course off the tee. There aren't like forced carries, there aren't really hazards unless you completely spray a ball. So it's quite comfy. The greens are huge, so it's not like it's difficult to hit the green. It's it's just a matter of how close to the pin you are. And yeah, like we said, we played it when the greens were slow, uh, which which fed into that. I think it's a type of course that it's easier to shoot a pretty good score, and I think it's really difficult to shoot a great score. Yeah, if that makes sense. Which which is kind of the the best of the best classical designs, you know. Like that was Mackenzie's whole philosophy. You know, we don't we don't want to beat up your your middling to bad golfers, right? We want yeah. them to have a good time. But it's gonna be difficult to to really yeah. If you want to roll in a bunch of apart. birdies, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be hard to get the ball close depending on where the pin is. So I think when they do the USAMs, I mean, it's maybe one or two under gets through, but the greens are lightning fast, and it's like if you're not putting the ball in in proper spots, uh, you're gonna take a lot of putts. Any parting thoughts? What what what's one thing you'll remember about the course? Um, I mean, we've mentioned the par threes. I think just the, I think you nailed it earlier with the, you feel like you're out there all alone. So, you know, like it or not, there are some real awesome qualities to a exclusive golf course. Of course. For the people that are members. Like how nice would it be to go out there on a Tuesday and just know like you just roll up to the tee and, you know. I can play in. That would be sweet. Three, three and a half hours. And that's, that's great. So it's. (laughs) You know, you could disagree with me on if that's a good thing for golf or not, but like for the people that have it, it's like, hey, man, you know what? That's cool, man. Yeah. I, I said the same thing I had written down the exclusivity in the par threes or <laughs> 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 what I'll remember. Uh, all right. Good stuff, man. All right. Uh, well, hopefully people are listening. Uh, hopefully you have a chance to play Camargo. <laughs> hopefully people are listening. We're not just. <laughs> And just me and you talking, uh, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and if not, you know, you can always exercise the nuclear option. Sign up for that USAM qualifier. Uh, that's a you're a bad guy, Randy. All right, cheers. <laughs>